This podcast contains explicit content and is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Don't say we didn't warn you. Hello and welcome. My name is Madison. And I'm Hannah. And you are listening to Who's Knocking? Yet another true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. We are coming at you with a Christmas special. Merry Christmas. Yes. Today is Christmas. Uh, so maybe you're listening to it on Christmas. Uh, maybe maybe you're stuck at home because of COVID rearing its bitchy little head again. Uh, <laughs> that's why we are uh, virtual. Unfortunately, uh, we're probably going to do a little bit more virtual because things are extra bad around where we are. Um, but it's still Christmas. Yeah. So it's festive. And our uh, our, our uh, topic today is a little bit festive. Yeah, we've got a really festive story for you guys. <laughs> really uh, wholesome Christmas-themed episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think just off the top, like, we wanted just to say um, thank you to everybody who's been listening so far. This is, I think, what will be like maybe our 15th episode technically. Something like um, that. I don't know if we'll count it as a 15 because it's like kind of a little bonus situation. But um, yeah, it's been really great so far. We're still like a little thing, but uh, there seems to be quite a few people who listen to every episode and message us and talk to us. and it's we're just really happy to have like our little base of people who seem to be enjoying listening to us so far. Yeah, we're loving all our conversations with you. Everybody gets into it with me on uh, conspiracy theories over on the Instagram, which is fun. Yeah, um, so we just wanted to put out a little bonus, a little little who's knocking Christmas gift, and yeah. And we're excited about this too because we've got a personal connection to this story, a little bit. Yeah, no, uh, a lot. Okay, a lot. Okay, I don't know how much we can claim, but yeah. No, like we're very personally connected to it. Yes, yes. Um, this was like one of our probably things that make us feel the coolest. <laughs> yeah, in case anybody's like a little bit interested in learning a little bit about us, but Hannah and I have been friends since high school, and I don't know when it all started, but like we both, I don't know if we got into like true crime stuff at the same time or like how that ended up being a connection, but pretty much our entire friendship has been based off of consuming true crime content. Um, and this is, I guess, how we landed in doing this together. Yeah. Um, but I, I really think that this podcast is a like creative content format. Or, or, like it is an expression of our friendship. Totally. And this episode is about a lot of it is about a trip we took together and we basically spent the entire time doing true crime related things. Like looking back, and this was what, 2015 that we were there, I think? It must have been, yeah. It was pre-2016, which you'll find out why. Um, and it's, you might actually be surprised about uh, some of this stuff. But anyway, I'll get into it. Okay. Um, and we will get into our trip at a certain point. Yeah. But. So today's Christmas special is about the Los Feliz murder mansion. The one and only. Yes. Now, apparently it's supposed to be pronounced Los Feliz. Mm -hmm. um, that's what the internet says. I'm just going to say Los Feliz because 
that seems to be like the more English pronunciation. And I'm just going to forget to say Las Feliz because it doesn't come out naturally to me. So I'm going to go with Las, Las Feliz. Okay. But we'll allow if it. You're, yeah. If you're really uh, a pronunciation nut, I know it's <laughs> Feliz. Okay. Uh, so this is a very famous murder mansion is what it's mostly called and hannah and i actually visited there yep and we will get into that um i think it's probably a lot of people know about it it's a pretty popular topic of um videos and stuff like it's it's made its rounds on the internet especially if you're into like any sort of like haunted houses or i wouldn't say it's like huge i don't know how huge it is in like paranormal circles but it's like it's a very, it has like a very interesting history um, amongst many other, like, especially Los Angeles crime-based locations, of which there are many. Um, so I'll start a, telling you a little bit about Los Feliz. Uh, Los Feliz is a very wealthy hillside neighborhood in the Hollywood area. And it's, it also encompasses some of the Santa Monica Mountains in Los Angeles, California. Um, it's currently home to many wealthy, successful people and celebrities. The area is full of huge, expansive, uh, expensive mansions and like some very interesting, a lot of uh, Spanish-style architecture. Um, we've been there. Like, it, what's interesting, I think, about the neighborhood is like um, how different all the houses are. Like, it, there's a huge variety, and all, of course, there's lots of like new builds and stuff too. Um, but I think you see in a lot of the very the, like real hillside neighborhoods, a lot of very interesting architecture. And there's been like a lot of famous architecture architects who <laughs> built houses and stuff. Um, so it's a very cool neighborhood. Um, a little bit of history about the neighborhood. So in 1795, Jose Vicente Filis a member of the Anza expedition who they were bringing settlers from Mexico to California where they founded the settlement of, excuse my, you got this. El Pueblo de Nuestra Señora Lorena de Los Angeles, mm -hmm. which translates into the town of our lady, the queen of the angels. Cool. So this area would now be known as Los Angeles. So I didn't really know that about Los Angeles, um, but that it was basically founded by Mexican settlers, which was pretty cool, mm -hmm. um, which makes sense that it has so much Spanish uh, architecture and um, culture. Yeah. And yeah, influence. Cool. So Jose Feliz took um, a big leadership role in the founding of the area, and he was essentially the city's first mayor. And so for his efforts, he was granted what's called a Spanish land grant in the hills above Los Angeles, which is the area now known as Rancho Las Feliz, which today encompasses both Las Feliz and Griffith, Griffith Park. Um, so nice there. Yeah, it's beautiful. Griffith mm -hmm. Park is like the huge hillside um, like public park um, that you can like hike in and stuff. And we went there. Like, I went yeah, there we hiked there. Day. It was so nice. Yeah, Shout out to L.A. Yeah, nice place. Um, so in 1882, Griffith Jenkins Griffith acquired uh, the Griffith Park portion of the land 
and he donated it to the city, creating the Griffith Park that is known today. Now, an interesting side note about old Griffith. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, Griffith. He once, he, he was like a philanthropist and like, okay. seemed like a pretty cool guy. But once he shot his wife in the face at the Arcadia Hotel. That's not very cool. No, he meant to kill her, but she was only left disfigured. Oh, only. Totally fine. And he served two years in prison for this crime. Two years? Yes. Okay. So, like, cool that there's, like, so much dedicated in his name. Now <laughs> in Los Angeles. He's a, yeah. Like, That's everywhere, though. He's, like, a... Everyone's he's, problematic. He's a wannabe wife killer. So... Yeah. That's fucked. Um, yeah. So, today... I hear a siren. I don't. We, okay, look, we're doing our own audio and video recording today, so please bear with us. We're doing our very best. Yeah. This is uh, the circumstances we find ourselves in today. But anyway, um, so today we're talking about one specific Los Feliz mansion, and it is the home known as the Los Feliz Murder Mansion. Yep. So the house is a Spanish revival style home, and it was built by Harry S. Schumacher in 1925 and designed by the architect Harry E. Wiener. It's three stories. It has four master bedrooms. Wow. I didn't know that a home could have four (laughs) bedrooms, but it does. Uh, Three bedrooms, a library, a ballroom with a wine bar, or sorry, just a bar, and a three-car garage. So it is a big beautiful house um not so beautiful well you'll see but at one point it was not so beautiful but here is what is said to have happened at the house now this the first time i was ever told about the lost fields murder mansion this is what i was told oh okay um i'm just gonna say that like how it was told to me because i think a big part of it is like it's kind of an urban legend and yeah you hear a lot of stuff about it um did you so first hear you, about it from the Vice article? Because that's what I think you told me about that. No, I, I, heard about it. I heard about it. I heard about it from a friend that we met. Okay, okay. And then I think you had told me about it via a link to a Vice article. So that's what I Yeah, heard. I think I probably looked it up after that. Okay. Now, this was back in 2015. So, God, like a thousand years ago. So, <laughs> doing my best to remember. Um, sorry, I just want to make sure. Okay. So. This is what I was told. I was told that there is this very famous mansion that is currently sitting empty in the middle of one of the hillside Hollywood neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I was told happened was that one night in the 50s, around Christmas time, I think it was actually Christmas Eve that I was told, uh-huh. a family was settling in, the wife was wrapping Christmas presents, and all of a sudden, the father, who was a very successful doctor of some sort, presumably had some sort of mental break and began attacking the wife with a hammer. So fucked up. Then he woke up after he killed her. He woke up his daughter and began chasing her around with a hammer. Didn't he tell her this is a nightmare or something? Oh, that will come. So the daughter was able to get away and alert neighbors. And then during the whole uh, kerfuffle, the two younger kids woke up and the dad told them that they were having a nightmare to go back to bed. And then after like coming to and realizing what he had done, he drank some sort of acid and died as a result. And as I was told, legend still has it. The house still stands and has new owners, but it remained completely untouched since the time of the murders. The original furniture is still inside. Even partially wrapped present from that evening were still sitting untouched in the living room. That's what I was And told. it's haunted as fuck now. Yes. 
So hearing this story and being in Los Angeles, uh, Hannah and I figured like we should check it out. So I think we should talk a little bit about our trip first. Okay. And then the visit to the Las Vegas Murder Mansion. So we were in LA. I was in LA for like a number of weeks. I was there for uh, like work-related shit. And Hannah came out for a portion of my trip. And when she did, we did a lot of fun shit. We went to the Museum of Death. So cool. Which was really cool. It's like a very small museum. I think they have multiple. They have one uh, in New Orleans, I think. Yeah, which is crazy because it's full of like, especially it was like the first room that I think was the most interesting. It was like all like the serial killer memorabilia. There was so yeah, there was a lot of cool shit. But it's like, how do you replicate that? Because like, yeah, I thought they were all originals. Some of the stuff though, because some of it was like a printout of a letter that someone wrote, kind of thing. And then I think also some of it was like whoever ran the museum would get uh, like murderers to write to fill in um a survey and stuff so i think some of it could be or you know if you have like 20 john wayne gacy paintings and five of them go to this museum yeah, yeah, yeah. you know but yeah but then there was also remember there was like that i remember it was like some sort of like little like somebody had made it in prison and it was like a little thing where like you were like you could turn a thing and it was like all these people like having sex with each other or something like it was like vaguely really weird i remember you know what you know what i remember that i wanted which is kind of bad is like charles manson charles manson or his family apparently made these like woolen spider little things and then they did like they had this one room that was a recreation of the heaven's gate away team like yeah like the bunkers the bunkers yeah and there was one room that was like basically a replica of like um what would you call it? Um, like a funeral home? Like how there they, was like, something like that. And, and then there was like videos playing of like deaths, which was a trip. Yeah. And there was like a whole room that there was a room, like one that like just was like all about the Manson family and all about like yeah. the Black Dahlia case and stuff like right. that. Yeah. Um, definitely. I think a lot of this stuff, like I'm sure there's a big debate of like, it's like, kind of ethically questionable, um, like yeah. buying okay. memorabilia from Whatever. serial killers and stuff. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's an interesting debate, like an interesting yeah. conversation to have. Yeah. Um, we don't want them to profit necessarily, but we also want to exploit them for entertainment. Yeah. So it's I like, wouldn't, I don't think I would purchase a, like, like a John Wayne Gacy painting, especially if he made money. Well, he's not, he's dead. Right. So. Yeah, but like you know, in a or or whatever, like like whoever. is that is that what you don't like about it? The fact that the serial killer will profit? I'm just curious. Yes, I think yeah. that's the main. Like the serial killers should not profit, or any killer should not profit off of the murder that they right. did. Well, John Wayne Gacy's paintings were beautiful, well well drawn clowns. So yeah, and it's like <laughs> if you acquire them without money going to him, like there was a big uh, like that's what a, I'm curious about. There was a big debate on Amazon recently because Paul Bernardo was like selling a book. Oh God! And it's like you, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't really want to give Paul Bernardo money. Like not at all. Fuck him. That little asshole. Yeah. Um, but I'm also like curious about like what he had to say in the book. So, so I don't true. Know. I read Susan Atkins' book. Did I you? found it at a used bookstore. I read OJ's yeah. book. If I did it, I think, I think he like ghost. Somebody ghost wrote it. Yeah, he recently, uh, I think, got out of prison. I think that's... Yeah, he's recent. out. Yeah. Anyway, so we did that. We also got stuck in, in the big Scientology building for oh like my God. hours. That, that was, was scary. Yeah, that but was But it was, it was crazy. Like, 
I don't know if for people who have not been to LA, like there's a lot of science, like Scientologists have like taken over a large portion of that city. And I guess, I don't know where in the city it is, but there's a giant massive Scientology building where you can like go in and basically get indoctrinated. It's like the size of a city block. It's fucking huge. Yeah. And it's um, blue and it says Scientology on it. Yeah, it's like a really crazy building. And Hannah and I, I have were a like, photo of me in front of it. <laughs> yeah. We're like, let's go in. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah. So we did. And we like, you know, started asking questions. And then like we were ushered into this room. We had to take like a 200 question multiple choice test followed by a second multiple choice test, IQ test thing. And, and we weren't we, the like, only ones there. Like a bunch of people were there. Remember? Yeah, there was a lot of people. They were like, like voluntarily like, hey, we should do this. Whereas me and Madison were like, there was a sign outside. It was like, hey, come on in for a tour. And me and Madison were like, we'll go in for a tour. It's not a fucking tour, obviously. It's a yeah. it's a building the size of a city block. And we went into one room where they showed us videos of like Scientology. And then they took us into this other room and we're like, time for your personality tests. Yeah, and we were just yeah. Like, oh, okay. And they, and they just like wouldn't let us leave. Yeah, they really tried to trap you. I don't remember how we left, but literally we, we were finally in like three got out. hours. And there was no cell phone service in there. Oh, I don't remember. Because you were taking, I when I was taking the test, I did, I was just like, go, 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 get through it as quick as possible to get this over with. So I think you like, <laughs> you were like putting more effort into no, the test Yeah, I was like, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I want to right. know. But I'm, I'm sure here. They're... I'm sure they do it to everybody. They're like, they like give you a test and then they give you like, it's like a little IQ test and they're like, yeah. Wow, your IQ is so high, but yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah. very unhappy according to this. So, like, yep. since you're so smart and you're, um, you should do psychology. You, know, you have like so much. There's just so much like we could fix about you. Yeah, like, it was. It's like, you know, it was really obvious what they were doing. It was weird, um, but I, I yeah. finished and they my. Tried to separate us as much yes. as they could, remember? Yes. And I, then I, so I had finished mine and I was sitting in this little area waiting for Madison. And I was like, I'm just going to text somebody just to be like, hey, this is where I am. If and I nothing was sending. Actually, oh. re- realistically, I was trying to upload a photo to my Instagram with a photo of me in front of the building being like, if you don't hear from me, yeah, <laughs> this is why. Right. Yeah. But that was pretty crazy. And then yeah. also, before Hannah got there, I actually did really cool the uh yeah i miss this family uh like bus tour where they like i miss this to like the the la bianca house the the sharon tate house like all through so creepy like beach boy house or whatever right what they took you like all over los angeles and told you like the whole story and it was very was it creepy madison it was creepy it was like during the day the Mm. guy was like jokey and like it was just like a bus full of tourists um it was it was um they gave a lot of good information it was very um it it was very educational did they go with the helter skelter storyline or the other story yeah yeah yeah. but it wasn't they didn't talk too much about the trial it was more showing just like like, the events thoughts that things happened that's crazy and giving the history of like uh, what was that road call that was like Cielo? Yeah, uh, no, that's the that's where the I mean, like the it was like a really famous road where like all the Hate Ashbury, maybe that's it. Hate, yeah, and like we went through there and like he, they talked about like all the different um like celebrities and musicians that like lived there and like all their like interpersonal drama and that's cool. It was interesting. Um, yeah, so you know I think LA has a lot of really interesting true crime related um places i'm also thinking we didn't go but the cecil hotel yeah 
Yeah, no, we didn't go. Is that in LA? Yeah, Skid Row. Yeah, no, we didn't go to Skid Row. I don't know if I'd go to Skid Row. I don't know if that's for me. either. I, I wouldn't want to go like, to that hotel. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go with like just you and I. That's yeah, we just show up. <laughs> I, don't, okay. I don't know how safe that sounds. <laughs> Maybe not that safe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so this was 2015 that we were there. We were, how old were we? 20? 20. No, that's wrong. That That's totally wrong. 21. That was, no, we, maybe 21. Yeah, we must have been, yeah, it was a number of years. I don't fucking know. I don't know. Nah. Anyway, we were 20 or 21, maybe 22, pretty sure. Yeah, 21. something like that. Um, but yeah, we had a good time and uh, it was scary. So, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you about it's fun and scary. Yeah. So we went there. We went in the middle of the night. Yes. Um, okay. Okay. This is a good part of the story. Yeah. We and like you like fill in the blanks because like okay. I have a like really shitty memory, so I'm probably okay. leaving out a bunch of stuff. But we drove up in the middle of the night. It was like probably midnight because we thought, okay, we'll go when no one's around. Because okay, I want to say, can I say like my intro to the story? Sure. So you told me about it. You were like, hey, when you're in LA, we should. I think that's how you said it. You were like, we could potentially go to this house. So it, you sent me this Vice article and the Vice article was basically saying, similar to what you said, but it almost more gory, the description of what happened there, like the dad going crazy. I think it almost, like I swear it said something about him like going after them with like a chainsaw or something. Like he was going after them with like multiple weapons or something. Anyways, and then it said, well, you know, it's really haunted now because it's still up. Everything's been left untouched. A new person owns it or something, but it's still, it's still right there. And a lot of, like, I think it was the person who wrote the Vice article or people that they'd consulted were like, we go have picnics there. We go hang out there. We, like, go peek in the windows and all this stuff. So um, it was kind of like a thing. It was like people go there and then sometimes, like, the neighbors call the police, whatever, whatever. So we decided we're going to go there at midnight when no one's around so people don't say, like, oh, here's more people showing up to this, um, to this like, you know, it's just like a nice neighborhood so here they don't want yeah, people just I'm... like trespassing essentially yeah so we pull up we drive we park like down the street we park at a different part of the street so we're not parked right in front of the house um we were with a friend and um so we walk up to the house and i just see up a hill this looming massive mansion just like leaning over us and it, obviously i knew what happened there so it just seemed so creepy well, and it's even scarier because it's completely dark. There's yeah. no lights no whatsoever. Lights. Every other house has like lights or stuff. And this was what must have been like February. So like I'm pretty sure there's like still some Christmas lights up and stuff. I kind of remember that. Yeah, um, that sounds right. I'm I'm not sure if I'm just making that up or whatever. But it's clearly very obviously the only house with zero signs of life in it. Yeah, it's like um, a gap in between the two houses. Light. Yeah. Yeah, like it's like very stark the difference between that house and every other house. And it's yeah. on top of a massive hill, so it's like way up high. Yeah. Um, we'll be putting photos in here, of course. Um it is at 2475 Glendower Place. That is if you address. feel like making a trip. Yeah, it's a little different now, and I'll tell you that later. Okay. But um, yeah, it's a super menacing house. It was very large, it sat atop a hill. Um, it's got lots of concrete gating at the bottom um, and like a huge set of stairs going up. So it's like you kind of like look up and it's yeah. like. And there's like hedges on either side. Yeah. Um, and like it's super dark, which is super creepy. Mm -hmm. um, so and so, creepy. Yeah. We went up the steps and yeah. Tell me if I have accurately recalled this, but okay. we crept up the steps and we went around the side yep. and like looked in the backyard. 
Right. Um, and I kind of remember there being a car there. I don't know if that's true or not. Huh, I don't know if I remember. Um, and then it's like on the side, we looked into one of the basement windows. And I remember like it was hard. We couldn't see much, but it looked like there was a lot of like covered up furniture. Mm -hmm. That's what I remember. Yeah. Um, but we really couldn't see like we definitely didn't see like half wrapped presents or anything. No. And we didn't try like breaking in or anything. We were just peeking in the windows. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I remember finding it super freaky, but I think I was, it was mostly freaky. Like to me, I didn't feel any like paranormal presences, but I think it was like we we're in a a different country and we're doing something pretty illegal. And like, I don't know, like if people would find us and like arrest us and, you know, who knows. But that's, I think, where my like, fear came from. But I think we like we like braved it out and then we went around front and we took some pictures on the front steps which like you know it's pretty bold um but the pictures turned out kind of weird yeah um we'll put okay, wait, can here. i can i tell you what i remember yeah yeah so i all, i agree we were looking in the windows and i feel like yeah we saw furniture with um sheets over it and i personally thought it was really really creepy looking maybe just any abandoned house would be creepy yeah it was um, definitely creepy looking i think like mostly the lack of lights and like ominous yeah sides it was, of it it was, was really so creepy. creepy and so we go to take this photo because our friend took it with my camera and so he takes one photo and then it's like uh i think like the screen was just like totally black because maybe the flash didn't go off or something then a second photo and there's just like this weird streak of light across the camera i've taken photos at night plenty of times that's never happened before or since like my camera just glitched really weird and i swear to god i remember this we started hearing this like rustling wind noise in the hedges and we got really creeped out and we were like let's get out of here and then we left and i swear i felt something like i i heard this like rustling noise from the hedges and then and then we were like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Because <laughs> I think we saw the photos right away. And we were like, mm, I don't know about this. Let's, let's just get out of here. And then we just like booked it out of there. Yeah. Wait, lift it up higher. Well, we'll put it on the screen like yeah, the we'll proper put way. It up, but like, just but so yeah, this see. weird flash that you can kind of see us in the background. It was weird. And we look so little and cute if you can like zoom in. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we were like, <laughs> like, you go to LA and I don't know what people, what other people do in LA, but we're like tourist shot. This is what yeah. we do. <laughs> yeah. Like this was our highlight of our trip. Yeah, it was, it was so it cool. It really was. That, um, the uh, Scientology and the uh, Museum of Death. Yeah. I'm, I'm like very proud that we made it out of the Scientology building. Dear I feel God. like it's very easy to just like, there's probably people in there who just like went in and like never came out. I so badly want to know what are, what's in there. Like it's, I'm not kidding. I've rarely seen a building this big. I think it used yeah, to be a so hospital true. or something. It's it huge, looks but... like it. Yeah, no, it definitely was a hospital. Like what? what's in all the rooms? I truly want to know. Probably like people being tortured. Anyway, let's not talk too poorly about Scientology because they might come for us. Yeah, shout out guys. We think you're cool. Don't don't hurt us, please. <laughs> please don't stalk and murder us. Yeah, please. We want to stay alive. Yeah. Anyway, so that was our experience going there. We ended up leaving. We didn't get caught. It was all yeah. good. I felt pretty like proud of myself. Like I braved it out. And we felt cool. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. Um, so I will tell you a little bit about my research and like what I found to be true. Okay, okay. So there's a lot of shit on the internet about this house. And I yeah. think it like very much varies um, in like credibility. Okay. I think there's there's two main sources that I found that gave 
um, good information. There was slightly conflicting things between them. I'll tell you what I found that was conflicting, but um, what we know about this place. Oh, okay. So the, there's one, there's a, a podcast series um, and it's these, two, I think it's two girls who um, Shout really, out. yeah, they're really interested in the, the murder mansion. They wanted to make a documentary, but then they ended up making it a podcast series and they have a website that goes with it. And they, they like went to the, um, or they got a lot of really good record records of, uh, like of their findings. Um, and so they have a lot of good information. The series, the podcast series is called, I think it's called the Los Feliz murder mansion. I think that's what it's called. Um, and it's good. I didn't listen to all of it, but I got a lot of information from their website. And then there's also a reporter named Jeff Mache, and he did some really good digging. I think he of everybody, it seems that he uh, got the best information and like spent a lot of time digging into all the records and like going down to the courthouse and what have you and what have you. So most of what I've pieced together is between those two sources. Um, so here's what I know. So Dr. Harold Pearlson mm -hmm. was born on February 1st, 1909. He was the son of Jewish immigrants, uh, the father from Poland and the mother from Russia. And they immigrated to the States, to New York, um, and they grew up in Queens. He was the oldest nice. of four children. He was super bright. He went to medical school in South Carolina and he became not South <laughs> Southern California, not South Carolina. Mm. And Pearlson became a very prominent heart surgeon working at a clinic in Inglewood, as well as a professor. Uh, sorry, it's late. As well as a professor of cardiology at USC School of Medicine. Yeah. So Harold uh, was also he had authored many research articles in medical journals. He was doing very well for himself. Um, somewhere along the way, um, he married a woman named Lillian Silver, another child to Jew Jewish immigrants, and they had three children. Their names were Judy, Debbie, and Joel. In 1956, the Pearlsons found their dream family home in Los Feliz at 2475 Glendower Place. So Jeff Mache says that they paid $60,000 for it. Damn. Which today is the equivalent of $613,120.59. My God. But the um, Los Feliz Murder Mansion podcast girls said it was $30,000. Now, okay. I saw Jeff's $60,000 repeated in multiple other sources. I think that kind of sounds more accurate. I don't know if the murder podcast, like it was a typo of some sort, or if maybe they were correct. I have no idea. But either sixty thousand or thirty thousand. Uh, if only I, I could get a house for that amount now. I know. Can you imagine? Houses used to be like five dollars compared. I'd to have that. one. I'd have seven. No, I wouldn't. But <laughs> maybe, maybe I would. Um, anyway, um, so things were looking very good for this family. They were doing very well, and like it was a very like um, American dream story for both of them. They both like their families when they immigrated here were very poor. They were like fleeing shitty situations in other countries and yeah. they came and like worked hard and and reaped the benefits of that so cool um so jeff mache uh found that dr pearlson was involved in some criminal lawsuits 
um, resulting from a business deal over an invention of his. Oh. Um, it looked like he'd been ripped off and okay. ending up losing a bunch of money. He had invented um, this attachment piece to a hypodermic syringe, which would inject drugs directly from the sealed glass capsule. And so the device essentially would eliminate the risk of contamination or spillage. Oh, that's good. And so Harold was hoping that uh, this would end up making him millions of dollars. Um, and it looked like the, the Pearlsons put a bunch of money into the project, including a bunch of money from Lillian's savings. Um, they had an agreement with another guy named Edward Shustak, who had promised that he would help Harold get the invention or at least the idea of it going and then they would split the profits. But it turned out Shustak ended up screwing Harold out of all future earnings by, I don't really know what he did, but he used a fake company to like steal the rights. Wow. And so Perelson was trying to sue Shustak for $100,000, which is approximately a million dollars today. Um, but he only ended up being awarded $23,956. So I'm sure that was a big bummer for him. It's like he put a lot of years into the invention um, and ended up basically just getting screwed over. Wow, okay. So that sucked. Yeah. Um, another thing about Harold is that it seemed that at, at one point, um, at least once, he was admitted into the psychiatric ward of Temple Hospital. Shit, okay. It appears that he was admitted on August 19th, 1958, and released on August 27th, 1958. So he spent eight days there. And the most interesting interesting thing that was found on his medical bill, and I have a photo of the medical bill, was that he, he was administered the drug Thorazine. Now, I was did some research into what Thorazine is, and WebMD describes it as quote, this medication is used to treat certain mental slash mood disorders, such as schizophrenia, psychiatric disorders, manic, uh, the manic phase of bipolar disorder, severe behavioral problems in children. So they just um, give it for whatever. Yeah, but like pretty severe, like uh, mental, like mood and mental Right. Disorder. Is that like a tranquilizer or something? Um, let me continue and see. Also, do we know what he was admitted to the hospital for? No. Damn. We know he was admitted there and we have the bill of everything he got. And so I think the main clue is that he was given Thorazine. And so you have to think that he had something, something going on that he, which is why they gave it to him. Ugh. And so chloropromazine, which I guess is a part of, cause it's within this description, helps you think more clearly, feel less nervous and take part in everyday life. It can <laughs> reduce aggressive behavior and the desire to hurt yourself or others. And they also help decrease hallucinations. Um, it's a psychiatric medication that belongs to the class of drugs called, I fucking hate drug names. <laughs> it's so hard to say. Phenothiazine antipsychotics. It works okay. by helping to restore the balance of certain natural substances in the brain. So chloro, no, chlorpromazine is also used to control nausea, vomiting, relieve prolonged hiccups, relieve restless anxiety, restlessness slash anxiety before surgery and help treat tetanus. Okay. So that's what WebMD says about Thorazine. And we know that he was given Thorazine in his wow. eight day stay. So... I can't, we can't say for certain what happened there, but 
based on what happened, I would say it's like reasonable to think, hey, maybe he had some sort of psychiatric something that caused him to be aggressive because it says it can reduce aggressive behavior and the desire right. to hurt yourself or others. And he so scary. hurt himself and others. So yeah, I'll say there's that. So little to nothing else is known about Dr. Perlson's mental health as this, you know, this is the 1950s. Right. Um, but knowing how things ended, I think that there was a lot of, or there was at least some undiagnosed mental health issues that he could have been suffering from. Yeah, shit. Um, they just keep them in the hospital for eight days and are like, all right, go back. Yeah, I mean, and that was the point. That was at a point, I think, where, like, you could just be, um, like, admitted against your will. Like, I don't think that you can't do that anymore. I think you can, yeah. You can. Uh, can you? It's um, like 5150. Like, if they, do, if they judge that you're a danger to yourself or, or to others, they know. can put you on a psychiatric hold for, like, I think it's, I think it's a limited amount of time, but. Can yeah. they do that in Canada? I don't know. I, I don't know, actually. I thought you couldn't do that anymore. I don't know about Canada, but America, I'm pretty sure it still exists. Interesting. Yeah. I'm interested in that. Um, so, I'll, and then I, I didn't find it. There's, like, basically nothing on the two younger siblings. There okay. is a little bit on, like, the mother seemed to – there was not very much on the mother um, – there was a girl in the neighborhood who was a babysitter who babysat the younger children. Yep. Um, and she, you know, talked about she had this like kind of weird theory that um that her parents, like her mom was like super into Harold Peterson, but what's his yeah, Harold Pearlson. And the she's like, I feel like they should have swapped partners, that like they would have been better. I've heard of this. Um, well, you remember what who is it that I think Russell Williams that his parents swapped. Remember yes. Um, but she she was like she just thought that they would like make better matches for each other, and she thought she found that like her dad really liked the mom, and the mom really liked the dad. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Lillian was like a really good cook, and the her dad really liked all her cooking, and like kind of was like shitting on her mom's cooking and stuff. What the um, hell? <laughs> she said like she talked a lot about Judy. I think they were a similar age, and like she had really nice things to say about Judy. Um, that she, basically that she was just like a nice normal girl and i think it was this babysitter's mom was a seamstress and she did okay. um costumes and stuff for like the studios and um she said that like judy used to always come over with like these huge garments that were like a size 14 and she's like can you take this in for me and like meanwhile she's like a size two and the, the lady's like i don't know like this is just like 10 to 12 sizes too big for you girl <laughs> um but yeah, uh, so, you know, that's a little bit about them. <laughs> but this is what we know about the murders. And again, this is based off the two sources that I named before. Um, so hopefully this is accurate. So here is what actually happened. So on the evening of December 6th, 1959, it was uh, a normal evening in the Peterson home. And everybody you know, went to bed. I don't know if there was any wrapping gifts. That's unclear. Um, and it was not Christmas Eve. It was the 27th, you said? No, December 6th. Oh, December 6th. Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was like not Christmas Eve. Oh, damn. Um, but it was close to Christmas, which is what makes this a Christmas special. So we're really yeah. holding on to that. It's still Christmas themed. Yeah. 59, you said? 
Yes, in 1959. So a year and a half after Harold got out of the hospital, at the mental hospital. Yes, it was actually, I think, about, because it was August 58. Yeah, it was a year and a little bit, a year and a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, so it was a normal, everyone went to bed. There was no, I mean, maybe some issues went on that nobody wants to talk about, but from all accounts, it was a normal evening. But at 4.30 a.m. the following morning, Harold Pearson, Pearlson was standing over his sleeping wife Lillian with a ball peen hammer. The fuck? Uh, and he, while she was sleeping, he struck her multiple times, resulting in a huge hole left at the back of her head. And Ugh. ultimately, according to the coroner's report, she died a horrible death and ended up like actually dying from choking on her own blood. That's so scary. Which is terrifying and just mm -hmm. like just instantly blood soaked everything. You know, the head bleeds a lot and he just. Just like, everything about this is so, so terrifying. Like, yeah. And at first when I was reading it, I didn't, I didn't have the coroner's report that said how she actually died. So at first I was like, oh, hopefully it was like an easy death. Like he just whacked her on the back of the head while she was asleep. So essentially she didn't wake up, but no, it was apparently horrible. And like she Ugh. woke up and died from choking on her own blood, which is horrible. Mm -hmm. So after he had killed Lillian, he then moved on to his daughter Judy's room where she was sleeping. The and fuck? He, he went to strike her with the hammer, and it seems that like he kind of got her, but then she woke up, and he got her a couple times, but she screamed so loudly that it woke up a bunch of neighbors. This babysitter girl was sleeping, and she woke up to the sound, and I think she had a friend over that night, and so they both woke up, and like all they heard was like a blood-curdling scream, and Come I think on. they kind of knew who it was was because they knew judy um but that's the worst way to wake up terrifying 4 30 in the morning yeah um so she but she was able to get away she ran and immediately screamed and ran down the stairs and out the door um ac according to jeff mace uh while he was like trying to hit her he said to judy quote lay still and end quote and quote keep quiet end quote but she was able to get away. And so as soon as she got outside, she began knocking on the neighbor's doors. First, she knocked on the babysitter door, that girl. I think her name is Sherry. Um, but those the girls in the house were so terrified. They didn't, they just like couldn't move. And so she moved on to other neighbors. And finally, um, Marshall Ross, a neighbor, opened up and together they called the police. Now, during this time, back at 2475 Lendauer Place, the two younger siblings had woken up. And again, according to Jeff Mesh, uh, Harold did in fact tell the kids, quote, go back to bed. This is a nightmare, end quote. I don't know how, like where this was written. He did, I don't, I didn't see him say like where it was from, but he did pretty good research. So I'm, I'm sure that like, that was a thing, like maybe in some sort of police report. <sighs> did he go at those kids at all? No. Okay. Only them, Judy? Yeah, only Judy. Okay. Which is very interesting. I have no idea why. Yeah. So at this point, Marshall Ross had made his way over to the house to find Debbie and Joel waiting on the main floor. He climbed the stairs to find Harold, who told Marshall, quote, go home and don't bother me, end quote. Then Harold walked into his bathroom. He opened two capsules of Nembutal and mixed, okay. he, like he opened the capsules and mixed that with water and drank it. Do we know what those capsules are? Yes. So Nembutal is a barbiturate, and it's like a pretty popular suicide drug. I'm pretty sure oh. both Judy Garland and Marilyn Monroe died 
of nimbutrol mixed with other things. Um, so it's a barbiturate and barbiturates, for anyone who doesn't know, they're a group of drugs in the class of drugs known as sedative hypnotics, which generally describes their sleep-inducing and anxiety-decreasing effects. So barbiturates can be extremely dangerous because the correctose is very difficult to predict. So even a slight overdose can cause coma or death. Wow. So he only took two. And then after that, he swallowed 31 pills of what was believed to be a codeine or some sort of tranquilizer that would basically put him to sleep and ensure that like he wouldn't like throw them up or whatever, like, and it would just cause him to go right to sleep. So the police arrived just as he was kind of taking his last breaths, um, and he died before the ambulance arrived. Wow. Now they found him on the floor of Judy's room, lying on her pillow, and... On Harold's nightstand, they found a copy of Dante's The Divine Comedy opened wow, okay. up to Canto 1, reading, quote, Midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a dark forest, uh, uh, within a forest dark, for the straightforward pathway had been lost, end quote. Have you read Divine Comedy? Mm -mm, I just know about it. I haven't either. Um but basically, Dante's Divine Comedy is an Italian poem written by Dante Alighieri. Alighieri? Something like that. Alighieri? Alighieri? I think it's Alighieri, yeah. And it was written in 1320. And it's a very famous poem. He's a very famous writer. And he wrote a bunch of yeah. different, like Dante's Inferno and whatever. Um, but it basically describes a vision of the afterlife. Um, in the poem, it takes the state of the soul after death and describes Dante's travels through hell, purgatory, and paradise. Right. So it's kind of interesting that he was reading it because, like, it's a description of the afterlife and he ends up killing himself. So right. I can't think that that's, like, just a coincidence. You know, I, I doubt he was just like, oh, la, 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 I'm just reading this. And then, like, all of a sudden he's, like, murdering people and killing himself. Right. Pretty, I don't know. There's nothing that like links it to anything, but it's just an interesting thing that they found. Now, after looking into this story and like looking into the real story, um, I think the like urban legend or like whatever I heard was like pretty accurate. It, yeah. I wouldn't say it's, it's like, you know, there was some facts that were off, but I also read this other girl. She did a, a some sort of blog post and she went to the house and she claims that she saw partially wrapped gifts. Um, I don't know. I think that a lot of people probably like, like to play up whatever they did. I think so many people have gone to the house and looked around. Um, it's evidenced by, some photos that I saw that like it's been used as a stomping grounds for a long time. Right. But, um, and I will say too, after, after this whole situation happened, um, it looks like all the children went to go live with Lillian's family, family, probably in New York. Um, but they've like really hidden themselves. Well, um, people have not heard from them. Um, and apparently they're still alive, but I couldn't find anything on them. And like, fair enough, you know, live your life yeah um but the house is another story it's taken a a, a number of turns right wait so um, we have no idea why harold did it yeah we don't know why he did it we just know that it seemed like he had some mental health issues and it seemed like he was I'll having say. some issues in his life another interesting fact actually another interesting thing that the um the Los Feliz Murder podcast talks about is there is a house, I think it was pretty much directly behind them. And the year before that, that was used as a set for this 
movie about a haunted house. Um, and I believe like where a murder took place. So they must have like known about it, but like, it's just kind of a coincidence that that, that this like a similar event happened like so close to the house where they were like filming that type of thing. So weird. It's just kind of weird. There is also like, there's a number of deaths attributed to the house. Um, one of them though, like a lot of people talk about, including the the Los Feliz Murder Mansion podcast. Um, it was like this, I think it was a writer who ended up kind of dying a little bit of a mysterious death in his bed. But Jeff Mache says that actually it happened at a different house and not the Los oh. Feliz Murder house. So I wasn't initially gonna say it, but I don't know. Um, a lot of people do attribute it to that house, but apparently according to him, it's not. Um, Oh, I really want to know why, like, to somebody. And that's part of the uh, mystery and the appeal of it, right? A lot of people yeah. have visited the house and a lot of people claim to, like, feel paranormal things and, like, hear Me. the sound of Lillian screaming and all this shit. Right. Um, I just, like, I think that, you know, once one person says it, then another person's like, oh, my God, I heard this. Yeah. And, like, my skeptical paranormal mind is just, Yeah, like, you're skeptical. I just, if there's, like, solid evidence of it, like, I'd love to see it, but I just don't see any. Um, but okay. So I'll tell you about, but yeah, it, it's very, that's the kind of annoying thing is like, we don't know why he did it and he killed himself. So we'll never know. And cause we don't know what the kids are up to. Like, I'd be so curious to know, okay, was he abusive? Was there, was there a pattern of violence before this? The like, babysitter girl. Why do they think he did it? The babysitter girl claimed that he was super mild mannered, a really nice guy. Not that like, I think, you know, Unless you're like living in the home. Hey, Tara, what's up? Yeah, my lab. <laughs> cool, Move cool. along, sir. <laughs> She's like, I'll just walk here. Yeah. Um, can you not? Yeah. <laughs> right in the way. <laughs> Every time we watch TV at my parents' house, Phila, my cat who lives at my parents' house now, sometimes he'll just like sit in front of the TV. Yeah. <laughs> Must you? Like, Could you pick you, a worse spot? Can you move? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so funny. Cool, cool. Um, what was I saying? I forget what I was saying. Um, the the neighbor Sherry was oh, her yeah. name that said that he was really mild mannered. Which he, yeah, she, she would probably was... know if he wasn't because she spent a long time with the kids, right? She did. She was supposed to babysit the kids the next day. Oh God! So like it's inter like you know it's interesting when you find out like you know there were plans the next day. Like I don't right. think this was a thing that he was like planning. It doesn't seem, and it's so weird too. It's like he bludgeons his wife, then he tries to go for his daughter, but he didn't get her. Which is also like, were you on drugs? Were you on something? Because if you if you weren't able to out muscle your smaller daughter, that's kind yeah, of yeah, your smaller teen daughter girl. Or did he just give up? And then it's like, and then he just left the other two kids completely alone. Like what? Yeah, and just like going didn't on touch there. Them. And then the neighbor comes over, and he's lucid enough to be like, "Go home, on. get out of the way," and then just goes and takes pills. Which makes it sound like, it makes it sound like the most logical thing was that he did was suffering from some sort of like pretty extreme. Must have been a pretty like psychosis issue, and that like yeah, he was some sort of psychosis, possibly even like very very small chance here, but like a uh, a sleepwalking thing. People claim to kill people while they're sleepwalking. That's um, fucking crazy. Yeah, there's a number of cases about that. That's fucked. I doubt that. That's like very rare, and I think a lot of people use it when they did not or not. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was sleepwalking. Good but it does seem like a, a like a psychotic break where like halfway through he realized what he had done. That's because why do crazy. you leave? The, why do you leave the younger kids? And then it's like, holy shit! Look what I did. I better just kill myself. 
which yeah. kind of like, I don't know, that kind of feels like a little remorsey. Not that I'm any sort of a psychiatrist, but. And like he had all those pills on hand. Why did you have all those pills on hand? Or maybe just yeah. everyone at that time. I feel like that was just like a time where everyone had like an excess of pharmaceuticals. I don't know. It seems like it also seems like he's a doctor. Like remember like Jeffrey McDonald had like a huge closet full of right. shit. Like maybe doctors. I don't know if you're a doctor. Yeah. You have like all that shit. But let us know. Yeah. <laughs> doctors like do you keep a little pharmacy? Um, yeah. Uh, so that's what I know. That's what I was able to find. Um, now since then, um, the house was sold in 1960. So pretty much this happened in 1959. They got the hell out of there. The kids were taken elsewhere and the house was just, it was sold in 1960 in a probate auction. Emily and Julian Enrique. Right. I remember. I think it's Enriquez. I love how Um, they bought, like, I wouldn't want that house after what happened there. Well, I don't know how much they paid for it, but it was a probate auction. So I don't know if they got a like really good deal on it, but they never moved in. Right. They never, and they I never wouldn't... touched the contents of the house. They left everything as is. Yeah. Didn't and they, they let put it... some stuff in for storage or no? They used it as storage. I think like they used like a garage or something. But right. other than that. All that just... stuff is now haunted. So. Yeah. And we can, maybe we can put in here. There's a, a, this photographer that I found that took a bunch of photos of the yeah, I want to see and outside of the house. So there's the house. Can you see this? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it looks and just like, like I remember. Yeah. Oh my and god. That's the back. And like, look at all this shit, just like never touched. And like, you can tell, like, probably like transient people have gone in for there sure. And, like, people like go in there, obviously. That's so cool with like all the old newspapers and everything. Yeah. And there's that's like pretty so cool. much. Like, there's an old checkbook. That's cool. Um, like this furniture. Wow, the doll toys. Boric acid, which like everyone was like, he drank acid and died. Yeah, so that sat like that for a long time because they didn't do anything, and they just so let it... creepy. But also, they like let the house just decay. Right. And, like I think eventually people started to complain because they're like, you gotta like keep the house like it's gonna fall down yeah and like um, this is like a nice neighborhood and stuff too yeah and so in 2000 and no they they eventually died i don't know when they both died but their son rudy inherited the home mm-hmm. um and he also did nothing to the property and we visited there in 2015 right yeah okay so and then a lot of people like obviously a lot of people visited the house a lot of people approached him and asked him why he didn't was doing nothing with the house and he was just kind of like you know he didn't really give interviews and he didn't really seem interested in talking to anyone about it but then in 2015 he died and since he had no heirs the property went up for sale wait when in 2015 like after we were there i'm assuming um i don't know when in 2015 okay. um but the we like just made it basically yeah yeah um because the realtors responsible for the sale ended up like stripping everything from the inside they got rid of all the furniture and garbage and everything and then they sold it and the home was purchased by Lisa Bloom who's an attorney and her husband Brandon Pollock uh in June of 2016 so like pretty quickly after yeah um, and they bought it for two billion two hundred and eighty nine thousand five hundred dollars. Did you say in, two billion? 
no million okay <laughs> so not one, billion one value went up <laughs> no 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 two million um, okay yeah they that sounds like how much it would be now yeah, they bought it in 2016. Right. And so then they did a bunch of work to it and like gutted it and stuff. Um, but they ended up running into a lot of trouble with the red tape and stuff because they did so much stuff to it, but then they weren't able to get it up to code. It's without, haunted. Without tearing it down. Now, it's interesting because in California, they have this rule that if somebody has died in the home within the last three years, you have to disclose it. Only in the last three years do they have to disclose it? It yes. gets more haunted over time. <laughs> well, that's that's than, like, not a good rule. I mean, the thing with this one is, is it's so popular. Like, you put in the address and it's like, right. murder man. I, I love how there's a rule that you have to disclose if someone died there, like, as it should be. Yeah, I was actually reading about that. I think that started because, um, or I think maybe the Las Vegas Murder Mansion podcast talked about it. It was like because some woman ended up suing or like something because she found out after she moved into a house that somebody had died there and she and claimed it made the property value go down did she say it was haunted uh pro i don't remember but like she i think yes it's like something about it bothered her and she claimed that it was like made it harder to sell um and i think there's some truth to that like a lot of people don't want to live in a house that people were murdered in i would not it wouldn't be my first choice but like you know if it was really the deal i don't know mm, wow I don't know. I wouldn't mind living on the Herb Baumeister property. I think, like... Those ghosts seem nice. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, there are nice ghosts. So, it's like, you know... Maybe, but... Uh, yeah, that... It's just hard to know before you move in, you know? Yeah, the Lost Feliz house is scary. Felis, sorry. It is scary. Like, I would no, not No, I think you're there. saying it right. I'm not. Um, yeah, no, I don't think I'd want to live there. Although, like, you know, it's just really hard coming from, like, a housing market that is so fucked up. And, like, I know, my dream so of desperate. owning a home is so, like, out the window. So it's, like, yeah. maybe if you would take a haunted house, like, oh, like versus know. nothing, you know? Mm. Yeah. You get what you get, you know? You Millennial life. Yeah, fuck that. Eh? Anyway. So they put a lot of work into it, but then, yeah, they ran into problems and they needed – basically, their options were, like, if you want to continue, you have to knock the whole thing down. So they're like, shit. So they put the property up for sale in May of 2019. Okay. And they, they put it up for $3.5 million, but Damn. they ended up selling in late 2020 for $2.35 million. So, so after the whole, like, uh, lockdown, everything – right if it was late 2020 yeah it was late yeah yeah so they yeah they like they made a little bit of money but i'm sure they put in like way more like i think they right ended up losing money from like what they put into it um my god you can find a lot of photos on the internet of like what it looked like after it was kind of gutted it's not super interesting it just looks like a gutted house and it's like kind of unfortunate because like it was a really cool house on the inside but like the guy they didn't keep it up so it was like decaying so like, right you, you had to do something to it um since 1959 so it would have been like 50 years later and i'm sure it was just like infested with crap and Ugh. animals and shit you know it's right. nasty um but yeah sold it uh in late 2020 and the buyer was an llc represented by lux manor custom home builders ceo ifil zlotnitsky Okay. Who, and they did not respond for a comment to anybody and they haven't said anything. Um, and I don't know if they've done anything to them. So it's like a real estate company or something? Yes. Uh, like home builders group. Right. Um, so interesting. 
yeah um and so that's pretty much where the house is now it's like now it's like locked up and gated and like there's no trespasser signs and stuff like i don't think you really can get onto the property anymore that, when we were there there was no signs like it was totally free to access we just walked right up no alarms on the property there might have been alarms but we didn't like open a door yeah yeah but on the property there were no alarms yeah, like yeah, we yeah. could go right up to the window but like going through this, I'm just like so shocked that we like made it just in time. Like that was yeah later in the year. Yeah, we wouldn't have been able to. That's pretty cool. So like pretty cool. This yeah, just saying you guys were cool. Yeah. So that's the basic story of of the Los Feliz or Los Feliz murder mansion. Um, if you're really interested in like taking an even deeper dive, I recommend the Los Feliz murder mansion podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, or like looking into some of um Jamie's Mesh's work. Uh, I think he just did like one like really long article about it. All of that will be linked in the description if you're interested. Um and like there's a lot of random shit online. Definitely looks a lot of stuff on Reddit, but I couldn't find like much other information. Oh, what did just, my like, Reddit people say? I didn't find like I'm not I'm not as good at Reddit as you, I have to say. Um I didn't find much I, like I'm not that good at Reddit. I just uh look on I the feel main. Like you're good at Reddit. Okay. Um, I just found most of it, it like I was. There's a lot, but most of it's just like links to articles and like repetitive, like articles. nothing. Yeah. Um, I don't do, know if there was any really good chain. Did people have any theories? Like, do you do you know if anybody had any theories about like why he did it? Because that's Reddit usually has a lot. I think the main theory, um, and like I'll just say, like I did not get that into Reddit. I, I'm still trying to get into Reddit to be honest. Um, Fair. But I think the main thing is just, like, people think that he had a psychotic break. Yeah. And I think that's probably what happened. I can't how, think of another, like, um, another reason that right. that would happen. I think it seemed that he, they were having some financial troubles. There was some letters that um, I think Judy had written to family mm -hmm. that claimed that her parents were having financial troubles and i think i'm i'm sure a lot of that stemmed from that invention that the lawsuit and stuff and the lawsuit and everything because they sunk a lot of their savings into that and they really right. thought it was going to pay off for them right um but does like financial trouble give you schizophrenia i don't know yeah and it's like okay so he was in a mental hospital it's probably probably at that time you don't just casually go to the mental hospital it's probably pretty fucking serious if you have to go um so that alone kind of signifies like there could have been something going on but that was a year and a half earlier so it's like was there a buildup? what happened like i would love to know what happened yeah and i think like the the, the like really annoying part is this like none of the kids it's the kids who would have any information about that specifically judy because she was the oldest right. um like they would have insight into like what it was like in their home oh i'd love to know um you know especially because like mental health was not something that people talked about in right. the 1950s like you didn't share that you had bipolar disorder with people right. the way that people are just much more open about it and less mm -hmm. like shamey about it now mm -hmm. um so I doubt, like, you know, they talked to a lot of the neighbors and uh, the, the like, babysitter girl and um, the guy who helped them. And, like, they were all, like, no, they were, like, a really normal family. He was, like, a really mild-mannered, nice guy. That's crazy. Nothing, there was nothing to, uh, like, it was a complete shock that it, that it happened. Which, like, Fuck. makes it so scary, right? Like, yeah. That, it's so much scarier when it's just, like, out of nowhere somebody just yeah. murders their wife attempts to murder one child and then kills themselves. Like that's right. terrifying because that makes you think like anyone could do that. I know. 
you know? So scary. Yeah. And that's what makes the house so scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's all I have on that. That is your Christmas bonus episode. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Hope you guys are having a nice Christmas if you celebrate Christmas or right. any other day if you don't. Um Maybe you have uh, some relaxing to do and you want to listen to a podcast and here you go. Um, yeah. So please continue chatting with us and it would be really, really nice if you would tell your friends about our podcast and, you know, share our stuff with other people. Um, we're, we're really happy with how things are going so far, but, you know, we really want to do this long term. So any any sharing, any reviews, any just chatting with us helps. We've been emailing back and forth with a couple people, and that's been kind of cool. Um, and it's nice to talk about like previous episodes. Like I've been chatting with uh, with one of you guys on uh, email, and we've been talking about Israel Keys, and he's been giving me lots of good information. Actually, I'll just suggest there's a really good if you're super into learning about Israel Keys. There's a podcast called True Crime Bullshit, and and it's uh and the name is actually really funny because it comes from him being like you know if i tell you all the stuff it's gonna just you know go up on all this like true crime bullshit yeah he hated he hated the like true crime stuff the true crime bullshit so they named the podcast true crime bullshit um and it's really well done and it has it has so much more um footage of him being interviewed by the police or the FBI, rather, maybe, um, that I was not able to find. I think he got a lot of it through Freedom of Information Acts. That's and, like, cool. It's disturbing as hell. Like I want to see that. I listen to a lot of fucked up shit as I'm falling asleep. I will not listen to this one. Can you t- can you tell me more about it right now? Yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's. You guys, him- Madison listens, like, watches true crime and listens to true crime podcasts to fall asleep so she can have sweet, sweet nightmares. But I- this is still too bad. <laughs> Some other people do it actually. Somebody said that they listen to our podcast falling asleep, and I was like, "Well, yeah, but our same. okay, yeah, that's true. Ours is pretty good, depending <laughs> what episode." Okay, so what what did you see about Israel Keys? Well, the, it has him describing everything he did to the curries and I the couriers rather, um, and it's he's just it's like his uh, his demeanor is so his energy, yeah. He is just so matter of fact and so Ooh. callous. It's so disturbing. And he doesn't, they don't have, and I don't think you'll ever find him talking about the Samantha Koenig um, situation because I'm sure that's way worse because, you know, like he. Oh, we know. You know, all the stuff that he did. We know. Listen to Um, our two episodes on Israel Keys if you don't know. Yeah. But it's just like, there's like episodes where it's just like an hour of him talking about what he did and then like pulling information out of him. And it's really disturbing it's that the podcast was great yeah it's so disturbing that i do not listen to it falling asleep yeah that's that's pretty bad then maybe if i was in a better place (laughs) mentally i would but do you listen would you listen to the anthill kids episode falling asleep yeah oh okay yeah i do that i'm Um, seeing where it is on the scale that but that's more like descriptions of someone else this is like coming from straight from his mouth yeah and he's creepy and he's so creepy talking about it because it's just he's just like yeah, like, he he just is, like, yeah, like, he was in the basement, and, like, you know, she was begging for her life, and I just, you know, it was really annoying me, because they were, the guy just, like, wouldn't, I kept tying him up, and he kept getting out, and it's, like, 
and he just like kept getting so annoyed with them and it's like dude you're trying to murder them yeah god he's and so they're scary trying to like survive and like he talks about a lot of his friends and stuff that people who knew him and he's like no one would ever suspect that i'm like that like and he like just describes how he like got away with being the person that he is and he's like he'll never meet anybody who knows the real me and like just that that just creeps me out so much because I think one of the things that just like will always bug me in life or just like I always have this feeling that it's like you will never know you will never truly know a person ever because you never know what goes on in someone's mind like their own mind is their own private you can't read minds right so because of that you will just never know somebody like truly that's scary and like it's all fine if they're just like not a murderer but, mm -hmm. like, if they are that's terrifying you know yeah so anyway that all that to say like definitely if you're if you're interested in learning more about israel keys and there's a lot of talk about um potentially what murder other murders he did right um, which i find very interesting yeah. and the guy's really he goes through like his huge timeline and he's like he's he's gotten way into this like that poor guy, I think he's probably suffering mentally from a lot of this. But yeah, so there's a suggestion. And like, and all that to say, like, you know, it's nice talking to you guys because we get to um, get all your suggestions and things and, and like learn things that we never learned before. And for us, that's like super interesting. And if we got like, if we get to do this for like a really long time, uh, that'll be awesome. Yeah, we appreciate you guys listening so much. Yeah. And yeah. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hope you sleep well tonight after this lovely light bedtime story. Yeah. Um, please, please check us out on Instagram at who's knocking podcasts. Send us an email if you so choose. Hello at who's knocking podcast.com. Um, one day we'll get around to Twitter at who's knocking pod. And if you'd like to leave us a review, that'd be dope. Um, yeah. And and please feel free to check us out on YouTube. This episode specifically will have a lot of visuals. Sorry I'm seeing that now. And I'll also just address that I'm wearing a children's headphones right now. You know, just uh, casually. If you were just like, if that bothered you the whole time, because looking at it now, it kind of bothers me. It doesn't fit very well. Um, but I forgot my headphones at Aiden's place. So that's what we're doing. And yeah, thank you so much. And please, guys, stay safe out there because you never know. Who's knocking? This podcast is produced in collaboration with Lost Line Media. Artwork by August Digital. Music by Matthew Cook.